We are live. Welcome everyone to Connected Learning TV. I'm super delighted to be kicking off the first webinar in our uh, November 2015 series titled Supporting Connected Learning Experiences in Minecraft, which was organized by Connected Camps. Uh, so if you're watching this uh, webinar live right now, please, please take a moment to share it with your networks. Uh, so I'm Mimi Ito, and I'm your host today. I'm a cultural anthropologist and a learning scientist who studies uh, what young people do on the internet and with games and how it relates to education. And I'm happy to be facilitating this conversation today. So today we are going to be talking with Victor Lazo, Zach Hart, and Mike Langlois. <laughs> I just asked Mike how to pronounce his last name. Langlois. And... Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, the care and feeding of Minecraft servers and communities. Uh, how can we host thriving learning communities that foster peer mentorship, uh, digital citizenship, and collaborative creation online? Uh, before we dive into our chat, I want to go over just a couple of quick details. Uh, so if you're watching live right now, we welcome your comments and questions through either the Twitter hashtag, uh, connected learning, one long word, or uh, CCAMPS, uh, C-C-A-M-P-S. Uh, you can also use the Q&A feature that you should see within the video player. So we'll do our very best to try to keep track of the questions and answer them live in the Google Hangout if, you're, uh, if you post in through any of those channels. Uh, the webinar is also being co-streamed at the National Writing Project's educatorinnovator.org. So to start off, I'd like to give everybody a chance to introduce themselves. Uh, so Mike, maybe you could start us off. Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Mike Langlois, and uh, greetings from Cambridge, Mass. I am a psychotherapist and educator. Uh, I, I do psychotherapy, and in addition, I teach at Harvard Medical School, UB, uh, University of Buffalo, and um, Boston College. And w why I'm here is because my interest is the interface between psychology, education, and video games. It's what I've been spending most of my time and research and teaching uh, over the past several years. And um, in particular, right now, I'm interested in Minecraft and how it allows people to access learning across uh, all sorts of differences, whether it be uh, race, socioeconomic status, or learning differences. Victor, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Hi, I'm Victor Lazo, and I'm the Connected Camps uh, System Administrator. So what I do is help uh, set up uh, Minecraft servers and maintain them. I've also helped, uh, you know, set up servers for uh, the Los Angeles Public Library through the LA Makerspace, as well as uh, ran, helped run a pilot project uh, a couple of years ago uh, with, uh, like, the Connected Learning Alliance. So I'm happy to be here to like share my experiences with uh, uh, running like different communities. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Zachary Hart. Um, I am a student at University of California, Irvine, and I am the, one of the lead counselors at Connected Camps. So I moderate situations on the server. I also provide technical support and help 
uh, I help teach programming at in-person workshops. Great. It looks like I'm back just in time. Thank you, Firefox, for that little bit of excitement. Um, yeah, so it's really great. I'm so happy to be part of this conversation today because uh, I am, in addition to being a researcher uh, and an um, educator, I'm also co-founder of Connected Camps, which is a new benefit corporation that's working to deliver online Minecraft learning experiences for young people. So uh, Zach and Victor are part of my team, and I've learned so much from them about what it takes to uh, host and foster a thriving Minecraft community online. And uh, Mike has been a longtime fellow traveler in the Minecraft and education world and has some really interesting uh, expertise to share with us today about uh, psychology and socio-emotional development for kids. And I think it's a really uh, exciting and unusual opportunity for us to be able to have a conversation about the different kinds of uh, Minecraft uh, experiences and environments that we've been working to foster for kids. So I thought to start off, it might be good just to give our listeners a little bit of a sense of what uh, these two projects, uh, Mike, your project, and then the Connected Camps uh, projects have really, you know, what have you been doing in terms of, you know, uh, fostering Minecraft experiences, you know, building, uh, you know, I know in the case of Connected Camps, uh, online camp and a kid club for kids on a server. Uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, Zach, do you want to start us out by just describing what, you know, summer camp was like and what our kid cl club is like at Connected Camps? Sure. Um, summer was a blast, actually. That was, like, hands down one of the best summers I ever had. But um, we ran, what we did over the summer was we ran the server all day and hosted events at specific times during the day, like traditional, like, building competitions and um, survival challenges, just giving the kids opportunities to work together in situations that involve survival and stuff. And now that school has started, we're we do the same thing, but we mainly just host events, and there's we just mainly have the server open to host events and stuff after school. So that's what we're doing right now. And uh, I have a blast working with the kids. They're all really good and really smart. And Mike, do you want to describe some of the programs or engagements you've been designing in Minecraft? Sure. Um, so I've, I've actually been moving out of the stage of lurking, where I spent a lot of time uh, trying different Minecraft servers uh, all over the internet and kind of getting a sense of how cultures were were working, and they're, they're all very different in some ways. Um, and uh, I had been participating in a less lurky way with, with one in Australia for a year and a half, and now I'm kind of excited to be moving into the a more uh, a new stage where I'm actually going to be launching a server which is designed to do Minecraft uh, with a focus on social emotional learning um, and the goal is to have kids and educators and counselors get together so that the the kids and the educators and counselors can learn but not without having fun like just very loosely moderated uh, fun Thanks, Mike and Zach. Uh, yeah, one of the things that's been uh, 
really great uh, and fun about our Minecraft experience is really, you know, bringing together a community of counselors like Zach, our college counselors and our high school counselors, and designing that social environment, which I think, uh, Mike, you've been spending so much time both researching and thinking about how to foster. Uh, and what's an interesting challenge, though, is that it's not just the social environment uh, like you have in any kind of face-to-face -face community or camp, but it's also the technical infrastructure that has to be really thoughtfully designed. And that was where I thought, you know, Victor, maybe you could give us a few uh, tips and pointers about some of the things that you want to look at when you're doing the social technical engineering and configuring the and modding the server to be, uh, you know, to, to foster the kind of interactions we want to see with kids. Yeah, obviously, I think you want to, uh, you know, figure out, like, you know, what your community is going to be about. So pretty much before you even think about the technical stuff, you you know, you want to think about, you know, what are the rules of the server, uh, you know, what you can, what's, you know, doable and, uh, you know, what's allowed. You know, you don't want people going all over the place and, like, blowing up stuff or, like, uh, you know, um, breaking things down so um, you know having a, you know a good rule set f at first is probably pretty important before even thinking about the technology but once that's all set you know you want to um, you know think about uh, you know the different things you want to be able to accomplish on the server um, you know if there's no griefing you would want some like plugins or uh, different add-ons that you could add to your server uh, that can either log um, what's going on, uh, who's breaking uh, or placing blocks, um, uh, you know, having things like uh, World Guard, which uh, helps with uh, claiming different uh, plots of land, uh, as well as uh, other plugins like uh, like Bucket Grief Prevention, which, uh, you know, help uh, helps with, uh, you know, sorting out who's uh, who owns what on the server. Um, you know, so those kind of things you have to think about. Um, uh, with planning, uh, you know, different things on the server. Um, yeah, but obviously those are all tools. So I think, you know, the technology is there just to help, but it's mainly, you know, trying to foster the community through like, you know, what the, you know, your rule base is, as well as, you know, interacting uh, with, uh, with the players on the server itself. So that's just my little like, you know, like, uh, preview of, I mean, because I could go on forever about this technical stuff, but, um, but yeah, think yeah. about. I, I would think about you know how you want to shape your community first, and then think about the technology afterwards. Yeah, it was very interesting over the summer when our servers were open for so many hours, and all the counselors were on Slack with Victor, and the kind of observing the sort of responsive, you know, tech technology, social feedback loop for, you know, deciding on, you know, I don't know, things like uh, permissions for building in certain areas and what happens when items drop. And there's so much configurability within the Minecraft server space that it was really eye-opening to be. And Victor was such a trooper and responding to all of the things that came up because uh, you're always going to have something unexpected. So... Um, I don't know, Mike, in your observations in a lot of different server communities, what are some of the things that, you know, can go wrong? Why don't we start there? 
Well, you know, that's it's interesting um, because there's it, you, you, we have no idea how many different things can go wrong until we, we, we look at different places. Um, one thing I wanted to mention bef before I get to that is that, that what, what Victor said I could very much relate to uh, from the, the, the therapist point of view or the social-emotional learning point of view that in some ways, social emotional learning and the other uh, technologies, like he, the plugins, um, have this in common, which is they're both essential. But if we're really doing our jobs, people aren't going to be thinking about those things. That those are both there to make the learning environment, and they're necessary. But if if we're doing what we're doing well, they're not going to be noticing. Oh, I'm experiencing social emotional learning, or oh, I'm using a plugin. Um, it, you know, it really depends. I've been it's I've been part of servers where griefing was something that was allowed to happen um, because they didn't put permissions in against it. But if you were caught griefing, then moderators encouraged you to talk it out with the person you griefed and actually rebuild the thing that was damaged. So that's one way. Then there are other folks that. Um, you'll get banned after one griefing incident. And then there are others where you have a series of warnings or you get put in a different zone. So there's a lot of different, a lot of different um, ways people handle it. And I think it kind of speaks to one of the cool things about Minecraft is that it's an intentional community. And so not every community has the same exact intentions. Like Connected Camps probably has a specific in intention to bring them together that's very different than maybe another community where they're doing skyblock PvP, player versus player, and the goal is to cause a lot of damage and use TNT. Yeah, that's so important to stress, you know, the values of the specific community and the intentional nature of it because, uh, like Victor said, it's really about setting up the norms and the expectations up front so that people are, you know, fluid and immersed in that culture rather than, you know, having to be constantly moderating and correcting as we go. You know, I think with Connected Camps we have this unique challenge which is, you know, because we're a educational server, there's learning goals attached to it. It's a little bit different from an organic Minecraft server where, you know, kids are joining, they're like, oh, we want to be in a build server, we want to be in a PvP server, and they're joining to be part of an existing sort of Minecraft culture. We're trying to nudge kids into behaviors that may not already be part of their, uh, you know, existing uh, experience and rule set or expectations for how to interact in a gaming environment. So, um, you know, I think that's both, like, it's sort of the challenge of educators, right? We want to meet kids where they are, but we also want to stretch them. And I'm sort of curious to hear from Zach, because you were really in the front lines, and I think we did our best to train our counselors and prepare our counselors for uh, what they are going to expect in moderating a server with little kids. But, Zach, I'm, I'm interested to hear from you about your experiences about some of the challenges or some of the ways you had to adapt to what the kids ended up doing on the servers. Well, there were, I've, from most of the in incidents that I've had, with uh, dealing with other people on the server, very rarely was the griefing intentional. But like when there's so many people on the server, especially on the very first few days of camp, there's just so much going on with all the children, and they they might accidentally like destroy something because they don't know it belongs to someone else, or they thought it was a naturally occurring structure. So we would have. Um, 
for lack of a better word, uh, miscommunication between the kids in terms of like, oh, did you do this on purpose? And then it's easy to uh, tell if it's on accident, though, because if it was deliberate, like the kids have ways of like showing that it was deliberate. Most of the time, they just leave signs and stuff like that. And we deal with those. Um, very rarely have we had to deal with those cases. But there are even some cases when that happens where the kids actually snap themselves out of it and they say, like, hey, if that guy destroyed our stuff and we destroyed their stuff and being mean about it, we're not being any better compared to those other people. Um, but the sheer number on the very first few days was kind of overwhelming because, like, it's such a new thing. The kids were super excited about summer. And it's very hard to keep track of everybody at the same time, especially since the world of Minecraft is actually physically bigger than the entire planet, the real-life planet. It's really hard to, like, keep eyes in every part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you guys did such a great job of sort of jumping in there and learning with the kids. And, uh, you know, definitely they kept us on our toes of... Victor, I don't know, if, are there any experiences you want to share from the summer on, um, you know, how you had to meet some new challenges that were kind of unexpected in this open world of Minecraft? Yeah, well, I mean, we had some things, like, built out, uh, you know, to try to, uh, you know, anticipate, you know, the problems, the griefing. So, you know, we did, uh, like, Brendan, our uh, game designer, he helped uh, make a space in in our world called the cooldown space, where you know people were placed in there if they you know had some like griefing incidents or if they uh, broke like the code of conduct for the uh, server, they would be placed there and they would you know have time to sort of chat it out with the moderators and um, what is this? So yeah, they they couldn't like really chat with other folks, but they could still sort of participate in the game and so I mean that was kind of like something new that we didn't do before uh, because the previous summer we ran a, a pilot camp and we didn't have anything like that and um, a lot of the things that happened before were like were not even um, what is this uh, sort of uh, physical breaking in the world it was kind of just you know misunderstanding miscommunication where you know kids would kind of see what they could sort of, you know, get away with or calling, you know, other people names or, you know, things kind of escalated. So I think it's pretty uh, important to have, like, you know, pretty good moderation on the server to, you know, especially if, you know, your rules dictate that, um, you know, there's no, like, name calling or things like that on, on in your community. So... Yeah, I mean, I've experienced a lot of different things. The the previous camp before that, uh, or yeah, the the first uh, pilot project we did, we we didn't have any plugins like to like sort of prevent griefing. So that was a really big learning uh, experience because um, what is this? We just had had it open and people just you know went went crazy with TNT and just broke everything. So. You know, it's it's definitely always a learning experience, and I'm continuing learning, just trying to you know find out what's out there and what's best for for the communities that we serve. 
Yeah, I think we uh, entered this summer, thanks to Victor, much more prepared with, you know, plugins for the permissions and, you know, to lessen the damage when kids were being destructive, but also things like just chat filters and the cool-down space and all of that. And, you know, even with those protections, though, I think things happen and kids are super creative, which we love, but it means, like, they find workarounds. So even if there's a filter in the chat, they find ways of writing things on signs that might not be... Uh, appropriate for our code of conduct but I think the core like Victor says is the technology can only go so far and we you know launch the camp with a clear code of conduct so that when things happen you know we also had an escalation policy to notify parents and then you know I got feedback from parents saying thank you for letting me know because the parents don't necessarily know what their kids are doing in Minecraft and when we got that email from you we had a chat and, uh, you know, the kids were like, oh, well, this is real. This is a real community, and there are rules, and people mean business. And, you know, once you, um, you really say that the code of conduct is a real thing, I think kids, they get that. And it was really interesting to see kids grow in that way. Um, I'm going to take a minute just to uh, take one of the questions that I see from Twitter uh, from... Uh, Culver uh, McKenzie, which is about coding in Minecraft. So my students are really into Minecraft. I have them coding through code.org, but how do I transition? And I think that's a great question. It's actually going to be the focus of our webinar on November 17th. Uh, that's hosted by uh, Sarah Esper, who's been doing some really great work on coding uh, through Minecraft, through ThoughtSTEM. And then at Connected Camps, too, we have uh, coding workshops that we run uh, through the computer craft mod so uh, kids can code in game and see the impact of their uh, their coding right in the game because they're controlling turtles and there's lots of different ways and uh, depending on the level and interests of the kids we've picked one that's very accessible for beginners and I think Minecraft provides a real opportunity because kids aren't just coding in a vacuum but they're coding to produce things that are really meaningful in a shared world and community and that's where uh, you know we've gotten some initial feedback and survey results from the kids who've gone through our coding programs and they really uh, you can see that even with kids who didn't have a high interest in coding going in that their interest in coding really increased and so it's sort of back to this model of connected learning that is the theme of this uh, webinar series is that if you can really uh, merge kids uh, skill development and learning with interests and the social support uh, the effects of that learning is so much bigger and so I think it's uh, coding is a really good example where it's usually not that interesting unless you're a kid who really has a strong disposition in that area to just code in a vacuum but Minecraft is something that you know millions of kids have high interest in and have peer relations that are associated with it so it's a really great entry point and I hope uh, I really encourage you to experiment with that um, so while we're on the positives let's transition to some of the positive socio-emotional development that we're seeing with uh, Minecraft and uh, Mike I'd love to turn it over to you because this is your area of expertise I mean what do you think the opportunities are here uh, well, you know, one of the things that I think is one of the most amazing opportunities is the, the ability to teach kids perspective taking 
um, and to be able to, you know, do. The, there's a very important social emotional learning skill, which is the ability to develop empathy and to imagine the perspective of someone else. And what's amazing about Minecraft is that technology is built right in, that you can switch from the first person experience where you're just looking out at the world to the third person experience where you can see yourself. And then from that, if you're on a server, you see all these other third person characters and you can start to make a very visual you know, connection yourself saying, oh, just like I've got the first person and third person, those third-person people I see running around have first-persons. That, that's sort of what we want kids to understand, which is that on the other side of the screen, there is another human being that has thoughts and feelings and, and sort of their own goals. So that's one thing that uh, just the technology does. And then it just creates this amazing shared um, set of symbols and characters, like the Creeper, for example, is this amazing character, if you think about it, and you want to be able to talk about anger management, like how do you handle, uh, you know, keeping your temper so that you don't blow up? How do you negotiate with someone else when you see they're starting to flicker? You know, um, and, and then another one, my latest kick is Zombie Pig Men, helping kids understand the power on servers and communities of Zombie Pig Men, that the minute you're aggressive to one, person, it affects the entire community. And how do you start to de-escalate if you've had a moment where you've had a conflict with someone so that it doesn't become bigger and, and permanently contaminate, you know, relationships? Yeah, that's really interesting. Zach or Victor, have you seen any of these dynamics in the, in the Connected Camps community? Um, I do see... First of all, that was an incredible analogy, by the way, Mike, of the creeper and the zombie pigman. I didn't even think about that until that's like genius. But um, as far as like managing temper and stuff, it I do see kids like whenever kids get angry, especially like um, when someone is trying to build something, because it's important for kids to learn that other people have their own ideas and stuff. And what usually happens in build challenges is one kid wants to build, say, a water slide that goes in this direction, where, or another kid wants to build it and try to do some other thing. But they're both dead set on doing it. So what usually happens is one tries to destroy it, the other one say, no, we're doing this. And the other one says, no, we're doing this. And then... It, the frustration will build up and up and up until, like, they realize, like, we need to agree on something that we can work together on. Um, and if not, and if they don't come about it naturally, that's where I step in and try to help them, try to simmer down and stuff like that, and not blow up like a creeper. So you have to model the not blowing up part, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I don't know, Mike, can you speak a little bit? I mean, you're a therapist. Can you speak to the role of adult mediation in some of this? Sure can. And I think that um, one of the things that is really you know, important from my perspective is, again, not just the intention of the community that's coming together on a Minecraft server, but um, the, the, the age and maybe even more importantly, the developmental needs of whichever group is there. So that if you've got kids that are elementary school 
age. I think they need a lot more adult moderation or even um, late adolescents who are sort of junior mod moderation with, with much more clear rules of conduct. I think as you get a little older and you get to middle school and then to adolescence, there needs to be more negotiation, just like we see in the world outside of Minecraft. So that um, in servers where there are a lot of really young kids, I think adults are often asked to step in. Um, and, um, and that has got more of a place. But I think as kids get older, then the challenge for adults is really how to not jump in right away and let kids sort of negotiate these things themselves. And, and that, I think, is one thing that you know, when we talked earlier this year, I kind of heard that you were working on that was really kind of interesting and exciting to me, which was training kids that have gone through connected camps to sort of come back and do counseling. Um, because I think that then creates this this uh, sort of legacy uh, of people that have been in the situation and can understand things. But I also think that there's a role, uh, a role for mentorship. Uh, so that instead of just having, you know, uh, moderators be these adults that are these paternalistic people, as, as, as kids get older and as they're trying to learn more independence, we need to let them hash things out a little bit more. And so, you know, as I say this, I'm kind of thinking, you know, one size definitely does not fit all. And, you know, it also depends on whether you've got a goal of we're going to teach kids to learn how to code, then that's a real mission. And there's a lot of, there's, there, there may be more need for more firm rules because it, it's not the wild, wild west. Everybody is using Minecraft to be creative, but towards an end. And I guess the last thing I'd say about this for now is that I think one of the things about Minecraft that's a little counterintuitive that we need to sort of slow down and reflect on is that often kids come to connected camps or other things using Minecraft having had previous Minecraft experiences where the rules were different, where the culture was just different but unspoken. And so although they're using the same play and they're you know, engaging in the same sort of activities, it's a different community and a different intent. I think that's so important, Mike. I mean, we, you know, and it's kind of sort of the broader mission that I have allies with uh, folks like DIY.org and the Scratch community that there's actually not that many of us who are designing open online experiences for younger kids that are intentionally designed to foster, you know, intergenerational pro-social development and creative collaborative activity because it is really hard and there are a lot of disincentives and sort of concerns about having kids connect with each other on the open internet. So I think it's really critical for us to model like positive examples of, you know, good intergenerational open communities rather than thinking about the internet as being this scary place and kids shouldn't be connecting with adults. And I think one of the things that really uh, we designed into this uh, past summer that was uh, different from our earlier pilot that Victor described was really to intentionally just um, create this multi-generational, this full stack, right? So we had the younger kids and then we recruited high school students who are volunteer moderators and counselors and then the college kids of which Zach is one of our uh, stars who uh, you know are right above the high school kids and then we have our camp staff and then 
people like me who are kind of hovering in the background when things really have to escalate. But you know, that's where you know I think it, it was pretty uh, taxing to, especially our high school counselors, and I know for our college counselors too when there were really cases that taxed their own socio-emotional development in a lot of ways because uh, like Zach said, you know, you're there, you're, you're the grown-up at the table now, you have to model the positive behavior without exploding and I think, you know, it's been, was really interesting just working with our counselors every day and just, uh, you know, having that conversation across ages and across uh, different forms of experience where um, you know, as a parent and having raised two teenagers, I know less about Minecraft, but I know more about uh, seeing young people grow up. And I learn so much from the counselors. And I think, you know, we talk about our, our camp as being for the 9 to 14 year olds, but I actually think uh, some of the more profound development ca came with our teen counselors, actually. I don't know, Zach, if I'm uh, over overplaying this, but. <laughs> I'm curious how you felt working with you know both the camp staff and uh, the the volunteer high school counselors as well. It was actually a pretty neat experience because in addition to like the kids having their own like learning how to interact with adults on the internet, I learned how to interact with um, coworkers and stuff on the internet, and also expanding my social circle with my coworkers and stuff like that. And it was it was a neat experience also just to like learn how different it is to communicate on the internet compared to in real life and i also but i also really enjoyed just working with other people too so. yeah it was a real it's a really great community and i think you all are staying connected on facebook and stuff too right yeah um, we have a couple of questions from Twitter, which are kind of revolving around this question of, you know, if you're an educator and you're wanting to get started with Minecraft or starting a Minecraft server, what are the costs? What are the resources that uh, are out there in terms of code of conduct, technology, and so on? Uh, I don't know if any of you want to speak to that. Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of <clears throat> resources <clears throat> that are out there. Um, I mean. For me, um, I usually just look at, um, if you just want a simple server, um, it's like you could just go to minecraft.net and download the vanilla server that they have there, but it's like less configurable than like uh, other modified servers like uh, Bucket and Craft Bucket and uh, Spigot or Forge. Um, another um, resource that might be useful is also, um, I think Minecraft EDU also has a, a server setup that you can use, um, and they have some other resources there. Um, there's also, I don't know, for me personally, I like going to like the Spigot forums or even um, there's a lot of good resources on uh, the admin craft uh, subreddit on uh, Reddit. So I would go look there and not. I think uh, also not being af uh, afraid to ask questions within those forums is pretty useful because Minecraft is a great online community and people are willing to help you. So getting involved in those uh, forums, whether it's uh, the AdminCraft subreddit or even on uh, spigotmc.org. Mimi, can I speak to that quickly? 
Um, one, one thing that I would uh, encourage educators that are interested in getting into this or counselors that are interested in getting into this for the social emotional learning piece is to take some time to reflect on what your classroom style is, what your personal learning environment style is, and that is probably going to guide you as well towards some of the, the technology that uh, Victor was just alluding to, that if you're someone that likes a classroom with very you know, firm guidelines and expectations, then you're probably going to want more plugins to sort of police things and correct permissions. If you're someone that is much more interested in open-ended play and really open environments, you might have a very different sort of need for technology. So I think that's one thing I heard Victor saying earlier that is kind of a theme, which is that the technology is one piece and the pedagogy or your own kind of preferences for designing a learning environment and your own philosophy of how kids and how communities function best with you as the, the educator facilitator, I think those have to kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You can't just think about the technology because, they, yeah, they always don't match up. Yeah, no, I think that's really, those are really great tips and pointers. Um, I think some of the webinars later this month will be more focused on teachers, especially the last one, and uh, so I encourage you to check that out if you're trying to bring Minecraft into the school specifically, and uh, there's, like Victor said, the minecraft.edu uh, site and server configuration is specifically designed for teachers, so that may be a good place to start if you're trying to bring uh, Minecraft into a classroom context. Um, there, there was a question about from uh, Tina about uh, how if there's a way to have uh, interaction within a closed school group, and um, I think there's it's also related to a question from Annie about how moderation happens, like does it happen face-to-face -face or does it happen online, and I think this goes to Mike's point about the fact that the context and the goals of the your educational goals really are going to structure how you manage that, so in the case of Connected Camps, it's a very specific kind of environment because we have to do all our moderation almost completely online. We were working with educators who um, in some contexts were working with a group of kids locally but we needed to be able to support kids who are connecting on at home and so we couldn't count on there being an adult on site that was reachable. Uh, we did have an escalation process where we would contact the parents and so on if something really um, you know critical happened but I think it's a very different kind of uh, setting when you are working and you can have those kids uh, face-to-face, uh, -face. but it is challenging even for educators who are on the ground, like we're working um, with uh, a great Minecraft e e educator, uh, Sarah Caviar, right now um, up at Seven Hours School near us, and we're both moderating in-game and having her on site, um, because once you're on site and circulating with the kids, you're not necessarily in-game and watching what they're doing either, so it's a really actually interesting set of challenges on how you manage uh, a purely online or 
what will necessarily be a hybrid environment if you're doing multiplayer in a local environment. So I think it's really critical, like I think the minecraft.edu site has a lot of examples of teachers who have brought Minecraft into different environments. So looking for a setting that really models the kind of setting and the kind of objectives that you have for your program is really, really important because uh, like Mike said, it isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of proposition. Um, on the Connected Camp side, we've been really focused on kind of removing that pain point of the online moderation piece and being able to have a more open, kind of uh, accessible for from anywhere, safe, moderated experience for kids because that's something that most educators who are in a you know, a time-delimited kind of environment with kids aren't necessarily in the business of, you know, providing that ongoing moderation and community support. So that's the piece we're trying to provide, but it's not always, you know, that's not always what educators, if you're trying to do something more subject-specific, that's not necessarily the kind of environment you want to support. So the good news is that there's a lot of innovation and examples out there. Uh, the challenge is that you really have to tailor uh, the environment to fit your needs. Um, I don't know, it, Mike, is, does that sound right or do you have any other suggestions for teachers or the other environments you've, you've looked at? Yeah, no, I think that that really is the, the, the key, that sort of self-reflection um, on, and I think that's something that educators are, are good at and, and with just a little bit of prompting, is just to sort of reflect, what are, what are my goals and objectives? What am I trying to do? You know, for example, the server that I'm, going, that I'm launching is going to be focused on social-emotional learning um, through play-oriented and cooperative sort of engagement. So I'm more likely to let more conflicts come up and have more uh, things, you know, opportunities for engagement. Um, one of the things that's great about server technology is you've got a huge log so that you could, if you are choosing to focus on conflict resolution, for example, you could go back over the log and then at a time when you're not watching something in game, ping kids and say, well, you know, I noticed that there was this exchange. Would the two of you like some time kind of trying to figure it out? So what you're hearing is an example of my Minecraft server. That's a reflection of what I like doing, which is, conflict resolution, thinking about things psycho psychodynamically and therapeutically, that's not going to be what someone else wants to do. Someone else may want to be focusing on the content of learning a certain thing, of learning history by designing the Globe Theater. Then they don't want to deal with conflict resolution. So I guess the most important thing, is, as you said, Mimi, and as Victor has also mentioned, is before you jump into specific technologies, really reflect about what is, the, what is my mission? Like, what am I trying to accomplish? Yeah, no, that's great advice. Thanks, Mike. Uh, and I just want to take one more question. Uh, this is an extension of what Annie was asking about the moderation part. So what are some of the ways that you found useful to get a child to stop and discuss, dissect the situation? Any of you have any suggestions? Um, the cool down space definitely helped out a lot. And um, I would respond to how we actually moderate, how adult moderation happens. I would say it is face-to-face, -face, but like with an asterisk, because even though it's not obviously, like, actual person face-to-face. -face. Like, it's still from the player's point of view in first person. You see the avatar's face, like, face-to-face. -face. And at least for me, I try to keep my 
avatar close to my real face as possible, but like when you actually talk with them and reading in the chat, you can almost think of it as you're actually having a conversation with the person. So usually when I, what I like to do when I moderate with children is um, that if they don't really understand what they're doing, it's just that I want them to understand how it feels for another person to like, hey, how would you feel if you had your stuff destroyed? They would be pretty upset and just trying to understand their point of view and just going back to what Mike said earlier about understanding that um, even though we are very boxy figures walking around on a computer screen, somewhere over there across the internet, there's an actual person with actual feelings. And so we try to emulate that with our cooldown space by trying to have a face-to-face conversation with them, at least within the game. And it helps us get to them. And also, within the cooldown space, we actually have direct communication with them. They can't talk with anyone else. So they have a very dedicated channel so that we can be very clear with them and they don't get interrupted from what's happening outside or inside. Or outside of the cooldown space, we have a special channel so that we can just communicate with them without having interruptions. You know, one thing I would sort of add here is that I think that this parallels what often happens in schools and other educational settings in terms of um, for teachers not to take on more responsibility than is necessary for them, that sometimes this needs to go to home, to parents, to caretakers. If someone is in a timeout sitting, setting at, in school, more often than not, then the school has often an obligation to contact the parents and say, we need some help figuring this out. By same token, if your moderators are finding that more time than not on the server your, is being spent with the kid in a, a sort of a, a set-apart system, then that may mean that th there needs to be more uh, resources than just what either Connected Camps or the Minecraft server have to offer. It, you know, at a certain point, it's a learning environment and family and parents need to be involved if it's something that is taking up way too much time and resources. Yeah, your point is something that I think was a really important learning for us during the summer is really trying to understand that balance between, you know, both how much should the moderators intervene and kind of grease the squeaky wheel kind of dynamic. When do we notify the parents? When do we back off and let the kids resolve on their own? And I think it's a really interesting dynamic that Zach was describing about internet interaction in particular. And, you know, that very first lesson of just these are real people. You know, and I think that often kids can get into this mode where, you know, internet behavior is different from real life behavior, but like Zach was saying, it's like, first, just getting them to recognize that these are real people, these are like your friends in real life, you know, these are, you know, there's consequences that are about talking to your parents just like you would have in a regular summer camp. I mean, just getting to that point is often a real turning point for kids, but yeah, I think this is something that, you know, uh, school educators and camp counselors certainly are uh, familiar with. It's just there's a very unique twist because we don't have access to, at least in connected camps, to them in um, in real life. And, you know, I see some questions on the Twitter about, you know, can you have a closed school group? And I think that's actually, you know, for a lot of educators, probably the more typical scenario that, you know, they 
are running a server or maybe even not doing multiplayer in the case of a lot of uh, the summer camps their kids are modding or you know doing coding within a single player mode so they're actually not doing social interaction online and a lot of school servers are restricted to the kids that are known within that school community so that's definitely one way and strategy to manage uh, interactions by keeping it to a known uh, kid group I think at connected camps we're taking on the piece of the puzzle which is that you know here we're trying to cultivate uh, digital citizens who are going to have access to the open internet and how can we you know provide that access in a way that has training wheels that develop the capacities for kids to have that freedom uh, the good judgment you know how you interact with others online so it's just our learning goals are oriented towards that way but uh, you know I see some of the educators on Twitter who are in coding and engineering and again those learning objectives are different and when even when we're running our coding camps it's a different mode like you know the kids are it's more skill based it's more structured it's still you know the online and you know there are issues of digital citizenship but our uh, server community and our kid club is much more oriented to the collaborative community socio-emotional part of the equation and you know that's uh, a really kind of unique and interesting sort of environment for us to be learning in as educators as well. Um, I see we're getting fairly uh, close. Oh, I see uh, Tina has a great comment, which is, as a science teacher teaching the engineering process, this seems like a great pairing of coding and engineering. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that's totally right. And I think uh, next week's webinar where you know, we have somebody from the Chicago Architecture Foundation. We have Barry Joseph from the American Museum of Natural History. We have, uh, you know, a, a teacher, uh, Diane Main, from, uh, who does great uh, project-based learning. And then also, you know, the coding session that is after that. And the final session, which is really highlighting uh, teacher innovators who have really taken to Minecraft and adapted it for their subjects. Um, you know, I think these are all uh, going to be really great examples of different kinds of uh, content, learning objectives, and so on, and how versatile Minecraft really is in addressing a really wide range of subjects and uh, orientations and contexts. Um, since we're nearing the end of our uh, session, Maybe what we'll do is just give uh, our three guests each an opportunity to really uh, have a final word. Uh, and maybe, you know, I'll give a prompt, but feel free to riff on whatever you want as a closing comment um, about uh, just, um, you know, what are some of the ways that we can foster healthy communities, positive socio-emotional development, anything you've learned from your observations or your own efforts within Minecraft servers that you want to share with folks. I don't know, Victor, you want to start us off? Oh, sure. Well, I know I'm supposedly the technology person here, but, you know, there are, like, several, like, intangibles outside of technology. Um, one of them is, like, player engagement. Make sure, you know, you're engaged with the players within your community. and definitely learn from your community because, you know, just knowing what they like and, you know, you could definitely build on that. And, um, yeah, just have, you know, things for players to do within within the community. So scheduling activities, um, you know, communicating with uh, your players like they're, you know, real people because they are. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, just thinking about that. And then 
after that you can think about the technology to you know after you learn from uh, you know what your players want maybe you'll install this plugin because your players are interested in like building some something that makes things uh, th that a plugin would make uh, much easier so so those kind of things so that's my little uh, two-minute spiel I guess <laughs> yeah we're really lucky at connected camps to have uh, Victor who really understands the technology but is uh, serving the social goals of the club so I think that's also a critical component of your ecosystem is to have somebody who can translate the social vision into the technology which is really really critical because you know like Victor said he's not like it's it's not just about the tech but you do have to be able to implement it too within the tech and before we turn to uh, Zach, I just wanted to uh, sneak in one more question from Twitter, which is a tech question. And Victor, not to pigeonhole you as the tech oh, guy, okay. but what are the benefits uh, and drawbacks of creating your own realm versus joining an existing server? Well, I mean, basically, when you're creating your own uh, server or realm, or you know, you're basically building your own community so you know you get to pick who who's on there if you know you have a whitelist or something like like that you get to pick the goals of what the server is about maybe it's maybe your server is just pixel art or something like that you know so it's you know online servers also have like different goals so if you want to you know have your own goal within you know you have a vision of something that you want to do, you know, maybe creating your own would be a good, uh, uh, a good avenue. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. And, you know, as somebody who, I'm not in the front lines, but I feel responsible for our community. Like, the one caveat is it is a real responsibility to be hosting your server because it's not just about throwing up uh, a space. It's about yeah. really building a culture and community. And I don't, I mean, I knew that going in, but, you know, really being in it for the long haul, it, it feels like, wow, I've got my own little family here. <laughs> so I'll, I'll turn it over to Zach because you're actually doing the hard work on the front lines here. Well, it's, it's wonderful to work with the kids, like I've said, and one of the things that I think is really great about having a digital environment is that you can replicate almost at least for me, during the summer camp, I was able to replicate, since I did work with children in an actual science camp before taking this position, um, you're able to replicate a lot of things that a traditional camp does, whether or in some cases have a completely unique uh, take on traditional camp things. Like As for group activities, it's like neat to see when kids like form friendships when they're doing the building activities and then after they're done with the activity and they're like one of the things that stood out to me a lot was when there is a kid who made friends with a bunch of other people in the server and they made an apartment complex and then they're like we should make some for the mods so then they built my they built me a room and then they're like hey here's a room you can live here and stuff and then i don't know it was it was just really touching to see that the kids were like forming friendships not only with the mods but like with the other kids and it's just fantastic to see that and it's really exciting to see that kids are actually going to be able to if implemented correctly that kids will be able to have these tools accessible to them 
with like the programming, teaching, being able to teach programming, because I remember when I was little, um, you had to buy a whole robotics kit <laughs> in order to learn the very, very basics of anything, but which was expensive, <laughs> and I remember. But this is like way more accessible for more people, and it's really neat to see all the kinds of different kids that come over to the coding workshops to learn, and just to learn and how much they know already. Like, there was a kid at a workshop that knew about C++ and was asking me about, do we need to know C++ syntax when programming in Lua for Minecraft? And I, was, I said no, because that is way above the realms of what we taught. But it was really neat to see that kids are actually learning how to program in their in industry languages. It's, it's really exciting for me just to see kids driving themselves to do it thanks to Minecraft and us being able to facilitate this learning experience. Thanks, Zach, for sharing some of the more heartwarming stories from our camp. Uh, Mike, I'll let you have the last word here. Oh, well, thanks. And, and you know, heartwarming is the right, right, um, right way to describe it, I think. What Zach said sort of just, I guess, is one of the examples I wanted to leave people with is that these are real relationships that are happening in Minecraft. People are really feeling heartwarming. Feelings are really feeling like they're proud, really feeling like they want to belong. And so one thing is to just remember that there are real people and real feelings in whatever server environment you create. And then the last thing I would say is while, not, while we don't want to overthink social-emotional learning, I really think it's important that educators think of social-emotional learning as sort of a pre-readiness skill to the other learning, that when, when people feel secure, when people feel valued, when people feel like they belong, it, when people feel engaged, they learn better. Um, we have plenty of research to, to, that shows that. We don't even need to discuss that anymore. And that social-emotional learning kind of helps set the stage for whatever other learning goals you want to build on it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. That's a really great reminder of, you know, just all of the different components that have to come into play when ki uh, in order for kids to become effective learners. And it's a great transition to uh, my closing sequence here, which is just to remind people that this is really the first of a four-part series on uh, Minecraft and connected learning and like Mike said the social social and socio-emotional sides are uh, an important component and in some ways a bedrock of uh, the learning that we see through Minecraft which is one of the reasons why we started with that uh, for this series. Uh, we, can, we can continue the conversation through the hashtags connected learning and C-Camps. Uh, we'll have a full video recording of this webinar uh, available immediately on connectedlearning.tv with other curated content on the way. So, you know, again, we'd love to stay engaged and keep the conversation going, and we hope you'll uh, share it with your networks uh, and also tune into the upcoming webinars of the series. Uh, you can sign up for the email newsletter on connectedlearning.tv, and next week we'll have a conversation led by. Uh, Randall Fujimoto on project based learning in Minecraft, and you'll uh, get a lot more. Uh, pointers and insights about a variety of different communities that are mobilizing around education and Minecraft. And finally, I'll give a plug to uh, Connected Camps. We are uh, building an educator network uh, that is uh, 
context to get peer support from other educators but also have access to things like you know our guides and our curriculum and our code of conduct and uh, professional development webinars and uh, we're really just trying to support uh, educators and trying to bring Minecraft uh, into diverse contexts. So uh, we would love to connect with you all uh, and uh, you know keep growing this movement for Minecraft in education. So big thanks to our guests uh, uh, this evening uh, and for uh, the great job that you all did in launching this month's conversation.